detective came and knocked on the door, and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? The spread of misinformation has fueled our cultural divide and increased our collective anxiety about the future. Tackling misinformation isn't a simple task, but it's important. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about Conspirituality, a podcast that's dismantling new age cults, wellness grifters, and conspiracy mad yogis. On the show, a journalist, a cult researcher, and a philosophical skeptic walk into a bar, and the bartender says, no, 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 it's not that old joke. They dive deep into current events such as RFK Jr.'s involvement in mainstreaming dangerous anti-vax rhetoric. They crowdsource, research, analyze, and dream up answers to the problem with, get this, proven science as their ultimate guiding light. I highly recommend you check out Conspirituality's fascinating episodes on creating comedy in the MAGAverse with Jordan Klepper or RFK Jr. flirting with body fascism. And you've listened to a bunch of them at this point, Paul, I know, and you tell me you love it. I, I do. They're, they're fascinating, and my favorite part is they use, wait for it, proven science. Science? And, and if, if there's any kids listening, that's a class we used to take. Proven yep. science as their ultimate guiding light. I love that. From exploring cults to analyzing our cultural and political landscape, the Conspirituality Podcast will help you stay informed about misinformation and help you resist fear tactics. Find Conspirituality on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I don't even know who Lenny Robinson is. Oh, he's that guy that Dave Grohl went to for drum lessons. And he was like, you have to sit like this and you have to hold your sticks like this. And Dave Grohl was just like, fuck that. I'm doing it my own way. Yeah, that's who that is. We should have a new segment like Bonnie Reads Dave Grohl excerpts. I'll tell you who else. I'm doing Bruce Springsteen's book. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Back another one. He writes so amazing. I wonder if it's because they're lyricists. Does he repeat sentences a lot? Because that would be because he's a lyricist. Yes. I was raised in New Jersey. I was raised in New Jersey. I was raised in New Jersey. Yeah, that's because he's a lyricist. So, you know, I'm listening to him, long time, walk the dogs, all that. And this story's really interesting. It's all about being true to himself, to the point of where he made it so excessive that he was doing an album and they were up to takes in the three-digit numbers. For like one song. Was he his true self or his false self? (laughs) Yes. I think he was trying to be his true self, but his false (laughs) self got in the way of him being his true self. And so he had 30 years of therapy because he didn't think he was good enough. Paula, do you feel like he ever got good enough? Oh, I love Bruce Springsteen. I do too. I would do 
a lot of takes with him. <laughs> I want. would do 20. 20 Me would too. be my limit. We better get going or we're not going to be on time for our, our guests. <laughs> I think we should. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did I tell you that I won a Dave Grohl uh, pillow? <laughs> did you really? Yeah. But uh, I th- was it last week that Bonnie was giving up her Dave Grohl pillow that she uh-huh. ordered? Yeah. No, it was. I don't think it was a contest. I think it was just you know whatever poor slob wrote in. <laughs> oh, that's right. That was exactly it. Yeah, it was the poor, it was the poor yeah. slob sweepstakes. Are we starting the show at any point? I'm just. Yeah, we I, are. I'm asking for a friend. I got to say, our cold opens have become a mess. You know, I, I guess I've been in the business long enough, Adam, that I call them COs. So oh. uh, you that, guys that with your sense. jargon. Paula Poundstone, you are banned from COs from this point forward. Do your own CO. I don't even want to be on your CO. Are we just going to keep doing this? Or? No, I'm we're just, done. We're done. I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming right now. Oh, welcome, okay. Welcome to the Paula Poundstone show that I do all by myself with nobody else on it. Da 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 da. The ball of pounds don't show. <laughs> Scarpins Audio. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, the Supreme Court. Everyone knows they're a vital part of our government's ruling trio, but Nobody really knows why, kind of like Ron Weasley or Maurice Gibb. Well, tonight we've got none other than legendary author and Supreme Court expert Peter Irons here to help us peek behind the curtains and beneath the robes, and I'm already sorry for using that metaphor. And we tried to fight it, but she wore us down. We're doing origami on Tony's Crafting Corner. Plus, in these dark times, shouldn't we all be giving just a little bit more love and affection? Well... You sure did, and we're keeping it. It's Mailbag Sweet Love Edition. I'm Adam Felber. This show's Judge Judy, bringing my unique brand of irascible rhetorical justice to keep our conversation on the straight and narrow. And now, please welcome the loose cannon who wants you to know that she's not out of order... I'm out of order. This whole podcast is out of order. And she's not wrong. It's Paula Poundstone. Hey, hey you guys. Let's pretend that we haven't talked already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and before I go a, a, a syllable further, uh, thanks to tonight's house band, uh, it's returning champion Tim Crump on the keyboard. He teaches piano and performs with the musical improv group You the Musical at the Sacramento Comedy Spot. Thanks, Tim. Woo. Thanks, Tim. Welcome. And uh, Paula Poundstone, what is new in Poundstonia? You know what? My daughter came over and we watched a movie the other night. It was in the living room. So it was on the, you know, the bigger screen. And I see now why I very rarely do that. Because I feed my cats at 9 o'clock every night that I'm home. And 
They start yowling about food about an hour and a half before that. It's not because they're hungry. It's because they are creatures of habit. Because at three o'clock every day, I give nine cats, because I'm not counting Wednesday, who lives in the bathroom, one can of food at three o'clock every day. They start yowling at about 1.30 for that one can of cat food. As soon as I serve it to them and they finish eating it, they're quiet. They don't yell anymore because they weren't hungry. They're just like, you usually give us some food at three o'clock and we like to have it at three o'clock when you usually give it to us. They just like the schedule. So we were watching Call Me By Your Name. It's very sweet, very emotional. There's a scene where the the boy's uh, boyfriend has gone away and the boy's very devastated and the, the father talks to him about it and the passion of love and how wonderful it was that he had this. And as we're listening to, all of a sudden you start hearing, (laughs) it's the part, the tearjerker part of the story. (laughs) It takes you out of it. You know, it has to be done, Travis. (laughs) (laughs) I love Brian Piccolo. It's hard to feel that emotional connection to a film while my cat Tonks is, and she's uh, Siamese, so of course. Yeah, they're loud. They're, that's they a loud are, cat. Every Siamese cat has uh, at least half of a country western singer inside <laughs> them somewhere. I think they're hard of hearing, too. Yeah. yeah, they like to. Well, they love to stand in places where their voice echoes. Like so, if they they oh. they like to get into a corner or up near the ceiling or oh. uh, you know hall. But particularly when there's a quiet, emotional tearjerker part of a. When I have pets that are growling for food, when you feed them, they stop. Oh no 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 no! <laughs> See, I have ten cats. If I change when I feed them, they start crying earlier. So if I say, oh, my God, you're driving me fucking crazy. Here's some food at 830. Then guess what? At seven o'clock, they start the next night. I'll storyboard a solution for you. I think it would involve feeding them early, watching your tear jerking movie in silence, then leaving the house the next day and not coming back till 10 o'clock. Or just moving out. I can move out. out. (laughs) Move out and burn the place. Yeah. Hey, Paula, I've been reluctant to move things along because I know you and I have been fighting against this for, I think, three years now. Oh, my gosh. Are you talking about the Tony thing? Yeah. Tony Anita Hall's been on us. She loves doing crafts, and she's been on us to do do this. Yeah. You know, she texts me in the middle of the night, could we do a Tony's craft corner on the show? Uh, There's a lot of um, bric-a-brac. Yeah. She just... Really wants to work with bric-a-brac. And so we've been saying, you know, Tony, that's great, but it is, after all, a podcast. Um, But she has insisted on doing a Tony's Craft Corner. And so we have finally gave in. And so tonight, everybody, uh, Tony Anita Hall, you wore us down. You win. I I don't think I wore anyone down, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Why? No, every day, hammering, hammering. What about the crying thing? What about when you cried about it? Do you remember that? No. I was trying to watch a movie and you, (laughs) can I please do Tony's craft corner? So we agreed. Uh, Tony, and, uh, you want to talk to us briefly before we start about your history with crafting? I'm terrible at crafts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Here she goes again. 
That false modesty. My mother used to hide my crafts for her in drawers, and I never saw them again. Wow. It's time for Tony's Craft Corner. Craft, 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 corner. <laughs> snip, snip, snip. Uh, paste, paste, paste. Tony's Craft Corner. <laughs> We could almost not do the craft and just do the theme songs because oh, this no, is. Oh no no! I I spent a half an hour cutting a piece of paper into a six by six square, so so we're doing the fucking craft. Welcome everybody to Tony's Craft Corner. Today's episode, ma- origami. We're gonna get origami. an origami. Tony, Tony, take it away. Take it yeah, away. Wait, wait. I have a thought. Wait, wait, wait. I think we should tell the listeners what our supply is. So if they want to do this with us, oh, that's they a can. Good idea. Tony, my hand is up. Tony, do you yes, see me raising Paula? my hand? Um, yes. Can you tell Bonnie to sit down and let you lead the craft corner, please? Bonnie, please sit down. Let me lead the craft corner. Tony. Yes, Adam. Tony, I stabbed myself with the scissor, and now I am bleeding. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> oh, wait. I didn't know we needed scissors. I, I, <laughs> oh my God! We're never gonna make this great. We don't. We don't need scissors, Bonnie. Origami is folding paper. Right. Oh my God! I got a book of origami paper wow. because oh. I want my craft to be, you know, especially good. I cut a six by six square out of my son's notebook. <laughs> yeah, I ripped this piece of paper out of my notebook. Uh-oh. And I oh. think Tony said the other day it could be eight by eleven. No, it no, has to be. She never said that. <laughs> it has to be square. All right, That's Tony. Tony. Tony, we're going to quiet down, and you're going to get us started. You take okay. So first of all, all you need is a square piece of paper. A square. That okay, would now we have to wait while Bonnie measures. Yeah, I'm measuring them Bonnie, with my finger. Bonnie, I can tell you how to make it quickly. Uh, I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. It's going to work. Come on. Yeah. Okay. okay, fine. It's, okay. Bonnie is it. using two machetes. I think that's <laughs> overkill. <laughs> yeah. She pulled it out of a spiral notebook, so there's like yeah. fringe on the top. I know. Yeah. But I thought that could maybe be a design. Yeah, no. but it's not. No, <laughs> but it's no okay. that's not how origami works. <laughs> When we finally agreed to let Tony do Tony's Crap Corner, the only thing we talked about, no, after we finally gave in, the only thing that we talked about was that we needed a six by six inch piece of paper. And and, then Tony said, well, it doesn't really matter what. So it just has to be a square. Right. And yeah. And Bonnie Sorry, came up with I'm just eight by at eleven. Paper and I can't. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Okay, so I, I can't I, breathe. Okay. <laughs> She's been my manager for 27 years. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay, so I just want to point out that Bonnie got one of those notebooks that has both spiraled and loose leaf holes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. You know what? She's gonna create an international incident with Japan. <laughs> Yeah. All right, Tony, um, uh, how close are we to having a crane? So okay, far? so very, very far <laughs> away from that. So you're going to take your square piece of paper, fold it in half diagonally. Do you think work. we should just make this step by step? And this week we just make a square? 
That might be a good idea. And make no, sure. No, no, no. We're making a crane. We're making a crane. Okay. The yeah. most important and half diagonally. The most important thing is to really make sure you have good creases and to line up your corners as closely as possible. Oh boy. Now you're gonna unfold it and you're gonna fold it diagonally the other way. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> so is everyone done their diagonal folds? Yeah. Okay. So I now, did some wonderful folds, Tony, with my professional paper. Very lovely. So now what you're going to do is you're going to fold the opposite way. You're going to fold it, I guess, like a hot dog bun. I don't know what you mean the opposite way. What do you mean the opposite way? The creases should go opposite. So how you did diagonal, uh -huh. you want to fold it the other way. So the other side of the paper is? Yes. Okay. Gosh, I'd love to have you do my underwear drawer. <laughs> So once you once you fold it in half like a hot dog, fold it the other way like a hot dog. Yeah, this is exactly how Japanese origami masters describe it. Oh, it makes kind of a little flowery thing. I see what's yes. happening here. Look yes. at that. Adam's making a flowery thing. I have this horrible feeling mine's not going to work. Oh, I don't see how that could happen. I do, too. Well, I don't have a little... Oh, oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. So now you're going to take it. Yes. You're going to take those and, like, push them in yeah. to make, like, a little kite shape or a diamond, I guess. More of a diamond. Yeah. You're going to yes, take the flappies and you're going to fold each flap and line up the end with that middle fold. So it should look like more of a kite after you fold it. Oh, what are we making? A crane. Oh, you're making a kite right now. You know, I think there's a reason why there's never been an origami podcast before. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to explain. No, I am dangerously uh, close to making a wad. I think it, we're confusing the listeners. So you no. have, you have your, you have your, Diamonds. So now you're gonna take the top part. Yeah, and you're the top gonna, part. You're gonna fold it down and make a crease. Crease uh -oh. is made. And then you're gonna flip it over and do the, then fold it the other way and just like reinforce that crease. So it's, it's been folded both ways now. The next yeah. part is the hardest part. Oh Jesus Christ! I'm I'm so stressed out. Okay. Okay, so now you're going to unfold one half of your thing that you just did. And make like a mouth. I think I I'm messed up. Me neither. I don't have a mouth. And then you're going to fold it back to like this so that it becomes I'm flat <laughs> like that. <laughs> All right. I'm, no, I'm totally lost. This is really hard. This Are you is, supposed to eat this? I'm lost. <laughs> If you have a better way to explain it, I'm open to that suggestion. No, you have a passion for teaching. I see I that. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. It's the this is the hardest step and it's the hardest step to explain. Because you should you should end up having two little feet at the end. I have two big feet. Adam has two huge feet. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? Huh? Yes. I, I've got two feet here. Two little feet, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's the happiest he's ever been in his life. He has two little feet. That's why making the creases are so important, so that you can do these folds. Now you tell me. I told you to make creases. 
At the time, you were quite cavalier about the crease. No, I was not cavalier about the crease. That's you, you a whole thing lie. You were cavalier yeah. about the crease. Honestly, Tony, for somebody who's been pushing us to do craft work oh for so God. long, I thought you'd be I more prepared. I know it. Every day. You know, and the thing is, Tony apparently gets up earlier than I do because I would wake up to like three voicemails. Can we do craft corner? Can we do craft corner? Okay, Paula, do you have yours? I think so. You have two little feet? Yeah. So now what you're going to do is you're going to take <laughs> your little feet. Yeah. You're going to fold them in half like we kind of did that one fold. So you're going to fold your little foot in half towards the center line. Towards the center line, oh. fold your little foot. Put your little foot inside of my shoe. You're going to do it on both sides. So don't, you're going to like you just like you did the first time. Oh, okay. but you're talking about making an important crease right now, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, and make sure you have strong creases. So you're going to have two skinnier little feet. I don't have two skinny little feet. <laughs> when you say fold... I, I have two skinny little feet. Wait, Tony, show me how you were folding towards the center. Here's one that's completely out, and yeah. then you're just going to fold it in half. Oh, like well, for Christ's sakes, you didn't say that. Just like you did the fold in kind of, but you're going to do it on each side. Oh, I think I'm really screwed now. So you're going to do both feet, and then you're going to do both feet on the other side. You know how in those war movies they never leave a man behind? We left Bonnie Burns <laughs> on the other side of the river yeah, back there. Yeah, I'm behind. Here's what I have. <laughs> She, Bonnie made a bat. Oh my god. Okay, so you have your two little skinny feet. You're gonna fold one foot over the other. I have no idea what you're doing now. Me neither. Oh, you're gonna take a little foot, not the whole foot, but one little foot. Half the foot, okay. Half the foot, and you're gonna fold it over. You should have three thingies here. Fold it over like what? You know, terms like you should have three thingies. <laughs> I'm not. So, okay. You have three years to prepare this one fucking Honest lesson, to Tony. God. You see how you have, you have four feet total, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, so you have four feet total. Bonnie's gonna... made a party hat. Is okay. that part of it? Excellent job, Bonnie. <laughs> so you're going to take one of the four feet and uh -huh. you're going to fold it over so that at the end you have three feet on one side. I'm yes. totally... Me um, too. Yeah. Then you're going to take the top of the three feet on the other side and fold it over so that it looks like you have like little horns. Did you know that the Beatles did a whole album that was just uh, origami instructions? <laughs> I don't got this time. Tony. How much audience do you think we've lost at this point? In the thousands. Not seeing this at all. I've made a, a paper Japanese fighting fish. Oh, Paula's looks beautiful. It's very I, beautiful. Do you have colors on the paper? I dyed my paper last night. Oh. <laughs> I stayed up all night last night dyeing my paper because I knew wow, I was going to so be good gorgeous. at this. We're almost there. It gets So then you're going to flip up your feet on that crease Adam, that you have. Adam has the hopes and dreams of an entire nation resting on his shoulders. Have you fallen off, Paula? I have fallen off. <laughs> I, what am I doing with these feet, Tony? I've started eating. You're going to fold them up. <laughs> Oh, the yep. paper feet. Oh, because fuck. I oh. folded my foot. Oh, Jesus, it was painful. Remember when the last step where we folded the feet over? And yeah. Okay, you're going to Yeah, take... that's when I hurt my neck. She should have been clear that she meant the paper. You're going to take one side and flip it over. 
And then you're going to do the other side and flip it Suddenly, over. Suddenly, Dark Corners seems like a really good book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there. And then now you take one little of your inner pieces and fold it down. And then you fold out the wings. And there you go. You have a crane. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I have, I have a crane. Oh, my gosh. Oh, nice job, Tony and Adam. Adam, you can teach an improv. <laughs> yeah, Adam. Improv origami. Yay. Wow. Nice work. That was it. I just have this Japanese fighting fish. And that, at the three and a half hour mark, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of our first Tony's Craft Corner. Yay! Yay. Tony Anita Hall. Beautifully done. Tony Anita Hall, thank you so much. It was a wonderful job. It was. I see why um, you were pressuring us to do that. I get it now. Yeah, I fell by the side of the road. As soon as I folded my feet, I think I broke <laughs> some important bones. Um, Adam. <laughs> yes. Adam. I think for the first time in your life, you're going to be happy to hear these words. I have a word. Oh, thank God. <laughs> My word is gymcrack. It's an adjective that means showy but flimsy or poorly made. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. Many airplane toys my son received were so gymcrack, they caused great disappointment. I'm going to do my worldly duty and get gymcrack right into the vocabulary song. Here we go. This week's word is gym crack. It's an adjective that means showy, but flimsy or poorly made. It broke in the box before I paid. Last week's word was vicissitude. It's a noun that means a change of circumstances or fortune, typically one that is unwelcome or unpleasant, like when rich people run out of glass to put over their pheasant. The week before that, the word was abstemious. It's an adjective that means deliberately limiting one's consumption of food or alcohol. I'll leave the rest of the fun size three musketeers at the end of the hall. Going back before that, the word was Sally. It can be a noun that means a witty or lively reply. Tucker Carlson tucks his brains in his fly. Let's never forget Gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do. My heavens, my fingers are paper cut. Tony Anita Hull. <laughs> of Tony's Craft Corner. Of Tony's Craft Corner fame. Cavill is a former vocabulary word from our show. If you can, Tony Anita Hull, without Googling, pick the words that if I had spoken, I would have been said to cavil. We will give literally dollars worth of advertising to Shop at Matter at 2134 Market Street in Denver, Colorado. However, Tony Anita Hall, and I would rather rub Ted Cruz's beard than think of it. <laughs> if you are not able, without Googling, to pick the words that if I had spoken, I would have been said to cavil, we will not be able to give literally dollars worth of advertising to shop at Matter at 2134 Market Street in Denver, Colorado. Are you ready, Tony Anita Hall? I'm ready. 
I remind you, there will be no Googling. I would be said to cavil if I said, A, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior coupons are available with every purchase. B, waiter, can you ask the chef to place my green beans on the plate all in the same direction? C, don't tell anyone, but Tony Anita Hull's phone number is 818-4-7. D, I was on fire in that game. I scored 25 points. Everything I shot went in. I put up 40 points. No one could stop me. I scored like 50 points. Um, I think it is the green bean one. The green bean one? Tony Anita Hall, cavil is a verb that means make trivial complaints or objections. So the answer was B. <laughs> Congratulations, Tony Anita Hall. You have won literally dollars worth of advertising for Shop It Matter at 2134 Market Street in Denver, Colorado. If listeners are in the Denver area, stop by Shop It Matter at 2134 Market Street hey. in Denver, Colorado and pick up some of Ted Cruz's favorite reads, Anti-Racist Baby by Ibram <laughs> X. Kendi, Critical Race Theory and Introduction, NYU Press, The End of Policing, Alex S. Vitale, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi, Stamped from the Beginning by Ibram X. Kendi. Yay! Yay! Congratulations, Yay. Tony Anita Hall. That's pretty impressive. Coming up, John Meacham wrote, the Supreme Court has a kind of sacred status in American life. Perhaps it has to do with an instinctive belief that life needs umpires. But unlike umpires, they rarely get beers thrown at them, at least until Kavanaugh joined. The court will be in session when we come back. Adam! Yes? One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, and the sixth one has started a podcast. If that's you, <laughs> make 2024 the year you finally checked learn a language off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. Don't do it. Or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Ugh. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. And Paula, I got to say, I really appreciate the whole like getting phrases that are important to know in that language right away, like how to order food, how to ask for directions, how to speak to merchants. And yeah. I really yeah. dig more than that, the speech recognition technology, because even if some of our listeners think that I have a weird cadence when I am attempting to speak Spanish, <laughs> I, am, I am speaking it well enough for the Babbel app to understand what I'm saying, at least when I do it right, like this. Listen to this. Adios, Carlos. Ya te vas. Si, es tarde. Entonces, buenas noches. Hasta pronto. I don't think you have a weird cadence. I think it sounds great. Thank you. 
Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Yikes. And their football team is fantastic. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Is this some kind of special? Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription. Wow. But only for our listeners at babbel.com slash nobody. If I'm not mistaken, Paula, that is 55% off at babbel.com slash nobody. The one spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. And then you just add a slash and the word nobody. And it's 55% off? Yeah. Wow. Rules and restrictions may apply. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Adios. Hey, everybody. As longtime listeners know, when Helix Mattresses first started sponsoring our show, Bonnie Burns somehow got the drop on me and made off with the first mattress. But in the intervening years, I have gotten myself a Helix mattress. I've had it for almost a year now, and it has improved my sleep. It has improved my life. I could not be happier. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, which I have, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, which is a mattress designed just for big and tall sleepers, and they even have mattresses made just for kids. Now, if you're like me and you were a little nervous about trying it online, or like Paula, who was screaming in fear of buying a mattress online, don't be. The Helix Sleep Quiz takes into account your individual sleep preference to match you and your partner with the perfect mattress. I took the quiz and I ended up with the great mattress for a side sleeper, the Helix Midnight Lux. Take my word for it, everybody. The Helix Midnight Lux. Oh, don't want to take Adam's word for it. I don't blame you. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula and use the code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Paula. Paula, I invited you over, but (laughs) you fell asleep. Helixsleep.com slash Paula. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Hey guys, it's Adam, and tonight is January 3rd, and I am picking Giannis Antetokounmpo to score less than 36 points, and James Harden to score more than 16. Why? Because I like beards. Am I putting a lot of money on this? I am not, because I'm not really a gambler, but I am having a lot of fun with Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, who I would lose to, you pick more or less than two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in, or in my case, not. So I don't bet a lot. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey had a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Do I get that? Kind of a little bit. 
Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. So, it's like an insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com nobody and use code nobody for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's prizepicks.com nobody and use code nobody for a first deposit match of up to $100. And then drop by and see how I did with the Greek freak and Harden again on January 3rd. My hopes are not that high. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. On this day in unremarkable history, Johannes Vermeer said, I don't think I would have done as well with carpet. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to our house band, Tim Crump. Sounding great, Tim, and we love you. Hey, Paula, you look pensive. You know, Adam, a thousand years ago, Bonnie Burns gave me a set of audio tapes called May It Please the Court. It's a narrated presentation of some of the most consequential Supreme Court cases, including the actual arguments. I think she gave it to me because she thought I was going to sue her and she wanted to show me how hard it was to get a case to the Supreme Court. It's fascinating, though. I've listened to it over and over and over again, literally for years. It was made by a guy named Peter Irons. He even says so right at the beginning. He says, this is Peter Irons. There's so much to know about the Supreme Court, and this Peter Irons guy knows it. I've always wanted to meet him and ask him, like, more questions, but I know I'll never get to. It's just not the way my life works. You know, a lot has happened since those tapes were made, too, but I'll never get to ask Peter Irons about it. I just never will. You never will, Paula, unless that day is today. What? Well, Paula, you've mentioned Peter Irons' book on our show before, and while we all got together and decided to get you a a little spring cleaning present, that's right, right here with us, Supreme Court expert, author, and activist Peter Irons, welcome to our show. Hey, I'm really glad to be here. I'm so glad you're here. I thought they were going to have you jump out of a cake. Such a great guest to have. Thank you very much. So Bonnie Burns did give me, I don't know how, I don't know how to describe it. It's an audio presentation about the Supreme Court, and it has rarely been off my boombox in the kitchen since. I, I, I listen to it the way someone else would listen to, like, rock and roll music. Okay, one thing that, uh, you know, we've prepared to do, Peter, I think we let you know, this is a kind of a new thing we're doing with our guests, is we're going to play the popular party game, Two Truths and a Lie, in which you, Peter Irons, will tell us three facts about yourself, only two of which are real facts, and we have to divine which one is your falsity. Okay, and who's going to do the judging? Uh, Me and Adam. Me me and Adam. What if you don't agree? Then I win. That's how we decide. I win. (laughs) Let's go. Okay. Number one. Yeah. I once had lunch in Cienfuegos, Cuba, with Fidel Castro and the Prime Minister of East Germany. Wow. Number two, I was once threatened by the Supreme Court with a lawsuit brought by them for breach of contract. Number three, during the Vietnam War, I served three years in federal prison for sedition during the war. Um, Wow. 
I would say the first one's a lie. And I'm going to say the second one's a lie. Me and Fidel? No, I actually did have lunch with him in Cuba in 1980. And I was also threatened by the Supreme Court for releasing the tapes that Paula listens to all the time. Wow. So was the sedition one the lie? Uh, the sedition one is a lie because oh. I spent three years in federal prison during the Vietnam War for refusing the draft, not for sedition. Oh. Oh, wow. Well, you know what? <laughs> it looks like we have both failed on your very well-constructed two truths and a lie. <laughs> so we all watched the Katanji Brown-Jackson confirmation hearings. Has it always been done that way? Because it doesn't seem like a lot of information ever gets exchanged, except for that, in this case, the nominee had a nice family. They said, they said that a lot. Well, the problem is that uh, ever since Robert Bork was nominated by uh, Nixon and his confirmation hearings turned into a total circus because Bork was very outspoken. He wasn't afraid to say what he believed. He was opposed to abortion. He was opposed to most of the decisions of this Warren court. He was even a little wobbly on Brown versus Board of Education. Wow. And so he got grilled on those things, but it was his anti-abortion position that mobilized women all around the country, a national organization for women and other groups. And they flooded the senators with calls and postcards and TV commercials. And at the very end, uh, Bork was turned down by the Senate, 58 to 42, which is a pretty substantial drubbing. And ever since then, uh, there have been a few very contentious hearings, the ones with Brett Kavanaugh most recently, for example, Amy Coney Barrett, and before that, Clarence Thomas, when he was accused by Anita Hill of sexually suggestive remarks. With those exceptions, they have been exercises in boredom because the justices, and Ruth Ginsburg started all of this, um, refuse to answer any questions that might give away their position on any future case or pending case before the court. Well, that covers just about everything. And so all they're going to say is, oh, I'm an originalist. I believe in construing the, the Constitution the way the framers wrote it. Um, I'm not going to legislate from the bench. I'm not going to be a judicial activist. Uh, I'm just here to, as Justice Roberts said in his confirmation hearings, call the balls and strikes and be an umpire and not a player. So, yeah. So is that a legitimate answer? I'm, I'm not going to say in case I have to rule. I think it's a legitimate answer when it comes to particular cases. For example, if somebody asked uh, any of the justices, how are you going to vote on the Mississippi abortion case that's right before the court now? It'll be announced sometime by the end of June. Uh, they would obviously not want to answer that. Or cases, you know, fairly fairly specific areas of law. Uh, but as, on general propositions, they all say that they basically agree uh, on this neutral, uh, follow the law, uh, don't legislate from the bench. As a matter of fact, that has not stopped anybody from getting uh, turned down by the Senate since Bork. You know, it, what, what it goes to show, I think, is that the nominating process itself has become a farce, really. They have to go through it. The nominees all sit there and 
keep a smile on their face. I thought Justice Jackson or Judge Jackson, uh, soon to be Justice Jackson, comported herself tremendously. There's not a reason in the world anybody could vote against her, considering her credentials as well, unless they are motivated by partisan opposition. And that's, of course, what's going to happen. Wait, I want to go back because um, I think you might have misspoken. Did you say Nixon nominated Bork? Because I thought it was Reagan who nominated Bork. Uh, Reagan nominated Bork. Y- yeah, you corrected okay. me. Yeah, oh, I, I just flunked I, I, that exam. I didn't mean to correct you, but I thought you probably just said it and didn't realize you said it. Well, I'm supposed to be the expert. Yes, you are. Um, yeah, so it does. The whole thing seems terribly performative. You know, Ted Cruz waggling the book. I've never watched hearings at any other level. They kept saying that these same senators had approved of uh, Judge Jackson for the federal court or whatever she was on. Did they have those same kind of hearings for that where they questioned them? Well, what happens is that the Senate votes on three kinds of nominees, the U.S. District Courts, the U.S. Courts of Appeal and the Supreme Court. District court nominees, with very few exceptions, just go right through. They are nominated really by the senators from their state, and the president gives them that privilege. Uh, It's called senatorial privilege. And nominees for the courts of appeal are questioned a little more incisively, particularly on their judicial philosophy and their background and experience, because not all of them have come up through the court system. But it's very rare that a nominee for the Court of Appeals will get turned down. So when Judge Jackson is now up for the Supreme Court, people like Lindsey Graham, for example, said, well, I voted for her when she was up for Court of Appeals, but this is the big leagues. And I've got to be a little, you know, and he's already announced that he's going to vote against her. So we know that. In the Constitution, how detailed are the parameters of the Supreme Court? Uh, They're not detailed at all. In fact, it's very interesting. In the Constitutional Convention, which I was at, uh, well, almost at. uh, (laughs) You were were not at the Constitutional Convention. (laughs) Well, when you're an octogenarian, you tend to look back. And at any rate, in the Constitutional Convention, they spent 80% of their time debating Congress. How shall Congress be established? Should there be one house, two houses? How shall they be elected by the legislatures, by the voters? Uh, What will their powers be? And there's a list in Article One of all the powers of Congress. And then they debated the presidency. Should there be a single president or a joint president, which some wanted? Uh, How long should the president serve? Uh, Then they set up this stupid electoral college to elect the president. And then they said, oh, a court system. We need a court system. Well, every state at that time had a court system of its own, had its own constitution, had its own laws, and decided cases that came up in that state. The federal courts at that time, when they were, the Supreme Court was established, was only going to handle cases involving the federal government, of which there were very few. There was no criminal code, for example. There were mostly contracts dealing with one state suing another state. So it was felt that the court really wouldn't have a whole lot of cases to decide. In fact, for the first two years, it didn't decide any cases at all. 
uh, because there weren't any on its docket. And, and so a lot of the early justices actually quit the court because they were bored to tears. And also they had to go all around the country in these horse and buggy days to what they called riding circuit, which means they go to the different states and sit on cases there with the federal district judges, supposedly to give them an experience, you know, in different states and how their laws go. So the Supreme Court in, in Article Three of the Constitution says the judicial power of the United States shall rest in one Supreme Court and such other courts as Congress may from time to time establish that is lower courts. We didn't even have a federal court of appeals until the 1890s. So what was the jurisdiction of the court? Well, it lays out what's called the original jurisdiction. That is the cases that start out in the Supreme Court, which are extremely small in number, like suing ambassadors, for example. And in those cases, the court uh, usually appoints a special master, particularly because there are usually a lot of factual issues uh, in these cases. Only once in its history is the Supreme Court held a criminal trial. And it's a fascinating case. Back in 1908, there was a black man in Tennessee who was convicted of raping a white woman and sentenced to death. And a mob grew outside the jail before he was scheduled to be executed, uh, demanding that the sheriff turn him over so that they could lynch him. Well, the sheriff said he wouldn't do it, but then his lawyers went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court ordered a new trial for him and also ordered the sheriff to protect him before that trial. Well, the mob came back and the sheriff said, here he is, take him if you want him. And true story. Oh and they gosh. took him down to a, a bridge and dropped him over and hung him. Oh. His name was Ed Johnson. So the Supreme Court actually sued the sheriff oh, wow. uh, for breach of duty and convicted him and sentenced him to six months in jail. And after his six months, he came back and guess what? He was reelected sheriff. Uh, oh, my gosh. Wow. Uh, but at any rate, let me just finish up on this, because Article six of the Constitution says that this Constitution and all laws passed pursuant thereto shall be the supreme law of the land. And the judges in every state shall be bound thereby any provision of state law or constitution notwithstanding. Well, what that means in simple language is the Supreme Court has the authority by itself to rule on what the constitution means. And as the court once said in a famous case called Aaron versus Cooper, which grew out of the Little Rock school crisis in 1957, when Orville Faubus called out the National Guard to keep these nine black kids out of Central High School. The court held Governor Faubus in contempt and said that it is the duty of every elected official to carry out the orders of this court because we are the last word. It's funny that it seems with all the representatives in the Congress, the idea that everything boils down to these nine people sometimes feels less than just, especially now. Yet I couldn't name anybody else I'd rather give it to. I could name other people I'd like to see on the court, but... Well, I was thinking me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Harry Truman once said, whenever you put a man on the Supreme Court, he ceases to be your friend. Even sadder, he said that in an empty room of the White House while wearing one of those paper birthday hats. 
More with Peter <laughs> Irons when we come back. <laughs> the cat of the week is Sal from Wilder, Vermont. I'm back out performing in theaters, which is good because cats don't laugh. And the city workers digging up the pipes in the alley for the last month were not enjoying my work. You, sir, with the shovel and the reflective vest, uh, what do you do for a living? Ma'am, you want to get the fuck out of here? <laughs> well, how does that title look on a business card? Ma'am, do you want to get the fuck out of here? What skills are required for that job? So... It'll be good to be back with you in a theater. I have missed you so much. If you'll come vaxxed or tested and masked, we'll be able to revel in a night of healing laughter again and again and again. And I won't get hit with a shovel. For tickets, go to paulapoundstone.com and click tour. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's just me, Paula Boundstone. I want to tell you about a HeadGum podcast I think you're going to love. Fake the Nation with Nagin Farsad, which I've done a few times now. So much fun. You may know Nagin from her TED Talk, from NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, or her book, How to Make White People Laugh. On Fake the Nation, Nagin and a rotating cast of her funniest, smartest, and most politically astute friends, people like Samantha Bee, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Paula Poundstone, Larry <laughs> Wilmore, Margaret Cho, and more, break down the news, make you laugh, think, and deliver a gut punch to humanity. Wait, do we really want to deliver a gut punch to you? I thought we wanted to uplift humanity, support, <laughs> uh, protect humanity. But apparently Nagin has gone over to the dark side. I'll tell you, I, I have had so much fun doing this show. Nagin tells me that one time I role played Naomi Osaka's publicist. I don't recall that at all, uh, but... <laughs> I'm going to have to go back to that episode and listen to it because it sounds funny. Uh, Uprox calls Fake the Nation the perfect lighthearted fit for a newsy podcast queue that needs a little levity. Meaning the news needs a little levity, <laughs> not the podcast because it is very funny. Subscribe now so you don't miss another episode of Fake the Nation airing every Thursday. Find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or, and I hate this phrase, wherever you listen 
to podcasts like none of us would figure that out. And we're back with Peter Irons. Um, so, Peter, what do you think are the most important Supreme Court decisions? Well, that's a good question because they can fall into two categories. The, the really, really good and the really, really bad. The bad decisions, everybody starts out with Dred Scott. Well, that's a slam dunk. Dred Scott was the worst decision ever in the Supreme Court, holding that slavery did not violate the Constitution, that black people were not even citizens of the United States. They belonged to an inferior order of beings, and they had no rights which the white man was bound to respect. Terrible decision. It started the Civil War. Then Plessy versus Ferguson, 1896, separate but equal. Black people cannot ride on the same railroad cars as white people, even if they look white, which Homer Plessy did. And so, I mean, he brought that case as a test case. He could have ridden in the white car. The conductor wouldn't have noticed if he hadn't told him that he was black. Oh, The third really bad case was the case in which I was an attorney 40 years later the case of Korematsu versus United States, the internment of Japanese Americans during the Second World War. It went up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court upheld the internment. A man named Fred Korematsu, who was just an ordinary guy in Oakland, California, working in a defense plant, ironically, and he refused to go in the, in the camps. They were concentration camps, really. Mm-hmm. Barbed wire, armed guards, you couldn't get out. So he challenged it and lost six to three in the Supreme Court. Forty years later, I found some documents doing research for a book on his case. that I said, holy cow, these documents show the government lied to the Supreme Court. These were memoranda from the Justice Department's own attorneys telling the Solicitor General of the United States that he was lying to the Supreme Court. And he went ahead and did it anyway. Well, we got that back in the federal court in San Francisco. Fred's conviction was vacated by a federal judge. And a few years later, Fred and I were in the White House while President Clinton put the Medal of Freedom around his neck. That was a very good ending to that case. <laughs> I think you deserve the medal as well. Hey, there's some there's something happening right now, you know, kind of a breaking story on the Supreme Court. I'd love to get your take on it. I guess you alluded to it earlier that we're suddenly facing a situation where we're wondering, do we have the right to put any limits on the powers and actions of the Supreme Court? Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, what we're talking about really is a court to which no rules apply. There's a code of judicial ethics that covers all the appeals court judges, all the district judges, every state has its own judicial code of conduct. The Supreme Court has none. So a justice theoretically could engage in all kinds of horrible activities, as some have in the past, uh, without any kind of punishment. They can't be removed, as I said, except for impeachment. Only one justice has been impeached, and that was in 1805, Justice Samuel Chase who was impeached for campaigning against President Jefferson while he was sitting on the bench. The end of that story is that Justice Chase was acquitted in the Supreme in the Senate for impeachment because even though he could have been convicted, Jefferson had enough votes. A number of senators said, you know, this would set a really bad precedent. 
Because if any justice in the future said something that a president didn't like or a senator didn't like, they could be impeached. Uh, and we don't want that to happen, except in the most egregious cases. So here we are over 200 years later. And I guess I guess what's happening is Justice Clarence Thomas has what seems to be a just a cut and dried clear conflict of interest when it comes to ruling on cases particularly surrounding the January 6th insurrection because his wife seems to have been involved in it and he seems to have voted to suppress some information about her. So what happens now? Problem is that, as I said, the Supreme Court doesn't have any judicial code of ethics. So a justice would have to do something flatly illegal, like murder somebody. But on the edges of the law, the whole idea about spousal recusal it doesn't come up very often. But if if I were a real civil liberties lawyer, oh, I'm supposed to be. But at any rate, <laughs> if I were, I would say that's a matter for Justice Thomas to decide because he doesn't own his wife. He doesn't own her thoughts. He can't tell her to shut up. And if he did, she would be perfectly entitled to keep on saying the ridiculous things that she says and making these tweets. Now, even if you argue that she committed a crime by participating in the obstruction of justice that President Trump uh, obviously committed and that she was a co-conspirator, say, that still wouldn't change it. So what I think uh, needs to be done is uh, for the legal profession as a whole to condemn Justice Thomas for refusing to recuse himself um, and that's about it. He's not going to resign. He's not going to be impeached, even though Antonio Ocasio-Cortez says he should be. And I agree. And not for that. I think he should be impeached because he lied at his confirmation hearings about Anita Hill. You know, a lie is still a lie uh, 30 years later. So at any rate, there's going to be a lot of talk, a lot of, you know, talking heads on the channels uh, about Justice Thomas and Jenny Thomas and shouldn't he recuse himself. And in the end, nothing will be done. Yeah, I think that that sounds about right. I vaguely suspected that Justice Thomas paid Will Smith to slap Chris Rock. Just, you know, just so we could have a different shiny object for a little while. Um, <laughs> have there been activist courts? There has always been an activist court because every time you lose a case, the other side is being activist. And every mm -hmm. time you win a case, you're just following the Constitution. The court has been activist <laughs> in liberal direction under uh -huh. Chief Justice Warren. It was activist for a while under Chief Justice Hughes during the later part of the 1930s and early 1940s. And that's about it. Other than that, for example, uh, corporations aren't real. And the Supreme Court says that back in the 1880s that corporations are persons. And therefore, they are protected by the Due Process Clause and the Equal Protection Clause. And they use that as the pretext for striking down dozens of laws designed to help out consumers, working people, women. And, and until the 1930s, the court was basically an adjunct of the corporations in this country. Do you have a favorite justice or are you allowed to say because you're a man of letters. <laughs> actually, it's a tie. And I've been thinking about this. My two ju favorite justices actually both served together for about 20 years. Uh, one is Justice William J. Brennan. Justice Brennan, I think, is the most influential justice 
of the last more than 100 years because he was the one who invented, literally, the idea of the living constitution. As he said, to be ruled by men who have been dead for centuries is not a good idea. And that the constitution, as he said, must adapt to changing times. Well, the framers of the constitution never heard about abortion or never had any cases involving abortion. They didn't deal with affirmative action. They didn't deal with technology, for example. Should Mm -hmm. we prevent the tech companies from controlling the media? So in those cases, Justice Scalia was a perfect example of this, pretending to be a go-by-the-book constitutionalist, and then voting to overturn precedents that he didn't like in the past, some of them very recent precedents. And whenever a justice does that, you could accuse them of being an activist, but it doesn't really mean anything. It's like there was a very good column in either the Post or the New York Times that said, there are no originalists because everybody claims to be an originalist, in which case it doesn't mean anything. Even Judge Jackson uh, tried to paint herself as something of an originalist. Said, I'll go by what the framers intended. Well, with all due respect, that's hogwash. Uh, it's, it's meant to placate the senators. But at any rate, to call the court either activist or non-activist doesn't mean anything. You can call the court liberal in the sense that justices in the majority generally vote on the ways that us liberals would like, or you could call it conservative when they vote the way conservatives like, as they do now. So that makes, I think, a bigger difference. Getting to be a justice on the Supreme Court, you have to audition with all kinds of interest groups. And I don't mean to be cynical about this, but you have to fill a box. And Judge Jackson, who was eminently qualified, and I would love to see her on the Supreme Court, was picked by President Biden for one reason. And we only know that one reason, because she is a black woman. Judge happens to be more qualified than most other members of the court now sitting. I think what that illustrates is that the court is in politics. It always has been. It always will be. And it pretending not to be is doing a disservice uh, to the legal profession and the American public. I like the thought of them auditioning because that means they probably presented a talent. Um, and <laughs> I, I just like to think of, say, Ruth Bader Ginsburg twirling a baton. Just makes me happy. Oh, um, Peter, you said there was a tie and you said William Brennan. Who was he tied with? My other choice is obvious. Thurgood Marshall. There you go. Thurgood Marshall, the one and only black person who's been on the court so far until Judge Jackson gets on the court. Uh, and you can take that as a swipe at uh, Justice Thomas. <laughs> I did. Just there. Uh, take it for what it's <laughs> on, worth. On his but, behalf. But at any rate, ju- Justice Marshall brought not only being African-American and having that experience of living through and under Jim Crow, but also his experience all around the country representing people uh, who otherwise couldn't have afforded when he was general counsel of the NAACP. And he he handled murder cases. He was, you know, threatened with death down in the South several times, run out of town. And he brought a perspective to the court that nobody else had had before then, or really since then, Justice Sotomayor, her own experience being Hispanic. So I think that, you know, having a more diverse court is great. But I also think that Having a court that understands what the Constitution really means 
That is, it's designed to protect us citizens and to protect us from our own government, if necessary, and to protect those who would take away our rights. That's our last hope, really. I'm just waiting for the day when people say, you know, this court really deserves the legitimacy it once had, but has squandered. Yeah. Do you have hope for the institution as we go forward? There's always hope, you know, but it it will require some serious changes in the American society before we get to that point. Because right now we're so polarized and so close to the edge of that precipice called civil disorder, civil war. We're at each other's throats all the time. And until that ends, if it does, you know, we're not going to be in a position to say, well, the nine people up there in the marble temple behind the Capitol, they know what they're doing and they're going to do the right thing. That day is not coming soon. It looks like we need to be attacked by um, um, aliens from Jupiter for, for us to unite um, right now. But you know what? I'm holding out hope for that. Um, Peter, that was so excellent. And um, what I am hoping for is the day when you will come back and be grilled by us again, because yes. every, every single minute of that was terrific. But right now, what we're going to do is take all that wonderful information that you've imparted to us and run it through something we call the old pounce-donator. Paula? Oh my gosh, how's bad Tim Crump on keyboard? Thank you. We are so glad to have you back. And now if I could Oliver it up by asking for more, I'd love a little background music so I can tell you what the old Pounce-donator spit out. Author, professor, scholar, activist, historian, Peter Irons, that was amazing. Thank you. You know so much about the Supreme Court. I can't wait to have you on again. There's so much to talk about. And yet, ironically, the framers barely did. Talk about it, I mean. All right, gentlemen, a job well done. There's a good constitution. America has a republic, if they can keep it. See that painting? I've often wondered if the sun is coming up or setting. I now believe it's coming up. It appears my bearers have gone home. If I could impose on you gentlemen to lift my litter and carry an old man to the inn to bend an elbow. Come now, do come along. But, sir... We've not been too clear on the Supreme Court, have we? Not at all. The Supreme Court shall be the supreme law of the land. Don, Don, Donsky. The citizenry will work it out. I've got three gentlemen holding my litter. Thank you, gentlemen. We've not even said how many must serve on the court. Oh, for pity's sake, we've settled it. It's for states suing states and to interpret the Constitution and the like. I'm listing badly toward the floor. Could I get another man to take hold of my litter? Sir, do we, as a body, think the Constitution should evolve as the country evolves? Our children and their children will need to know that. I'm rolling towards the floor. A Franklin saved is a Franklin earned. Who decides which cases go to the Supreme Court? Oh, come on, man. I've got slaves to purchase. And are corporations people? 
Should the justices wear wigs? How often should they meet? Are they to have ethical standards? Can they remain on the bench if they were to rule in a case about an insurrection that their wife was to be involved in? Shut up, you. Roll Mr. Franklin back onto his litter there and I'll take a handle. Let's just leave this troublemaker. We've done enough. Oh, what will happen if this? Oh, what will happen if that? He's an author, an activist, a political science professor at the University of California, San Diego, and our current reigning champion of two truths and a lie, Peter Irons, everybody. Yeah. Peter, yeah. thank you so much. Peter, thank you so, so much. This was wonderful. I enjoyed every minute of it. Well, I hope you will come back sometime. I'd be glad to. Are those your dogs? Yes, and I told them to keep the dogs quiet. That's all right. I'm sure that you have nine dogs in robes in the other room. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody, and thanks. You're unleashed. Bye. Bye. Thanks. thanks. It's an honor. Bye, guys. Coming up. Hey, baby. What's that? You want to talk about us? That's cool. We can talk about us all night long. Oh, yeah. It's Mailbag Sweet Love Edition. Jesus fucks. Get ready for the miracle of Mega, a comedy podcast from the staff of a fictional mega church. And, and not only does he fuck, but he's the best at it. I'm Holly Loren. And I'm Greg Hess. Our characters, Holly and Gray, welcome a new guest each week, played by some of the biggest names in comedy and podcasting. Like Scott Aukerman, Lauren Lapkus, Paul Shear, Jason Manzukis, Cecily Strong, and Duncan Trussell. I just love to think about that the light shining down on all those corpses in the water and Noah just going by and maybe, maybe a mom being like, please, we're running out of energy. Can you please let us on the boat? It's completely improvised, and it's devilishly funny. Is there any question you have for us about, you know, what it means to live a life in Christ? I guess, how much do you think is bullshit? There's a new episode every Sunday. Listen and subscribe to Mega, wherever you get your podcasts. Best I ever had. Best I Y'all can do it. Y'all can do it. Y'all sing along. We, you know what I'm saying? It go, Jesus, you the best. Jesus, you're the best. You the best. Jesus, you're Jesus, the best. You the best. Oh, okay, best never mind. Best I ever had. Best wow. I ever had. Fun fact, if all of your blood vessels were laid out end-to-end, it would measure 100,000 miles and be super painful. (laughs) We are back, and we have been played in by the great Tim Crump. It is always a pleasure to have you here with us. And now, Paula, it is time for a segment that uh, we haven't done in a few weeks. It's the first time we've ever done this particular edition. It's Mailbag! Oh, wait, wait, Adam, wait. Uh, I'm waiting, I'm wait. waiting. Okay, wait, Adam, start again. Wait, start no, again, no, start again. No, I like it like this. Sweet love edition. <laughs> now, the sweet love edition is that, you know, often we tend to uh, read the mail of people who've got complaints or beefs or things that they wait, want to hey, say to Adam, us. Hey, Adam, 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 where do we get yeah. the mail? Oh, we get the mail from our um, mailbag. 
Sweet love edition. <laughs> I, I will do that all night long. So this week we've decided to focus on the positive because, in fact, we get a ton, a preponderance of positive stuff in our mailbag. Oh, shit. Sweet, sweet love edition. Tony Anita Hull, do you want to step up and read us stuff from our uh, mailbag? Sweet love edition. I am so excited about this because I have needed love and support for weeks and weeks and weeks now. Maybe even years. How long have we been doing this podcast? Maybe three years we've been doing this three podcast? Years, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then I have needed love and support for three solid years. Oh, so on behalf of all my co-hosts here on the show with you, Paula, thanks a whole fucking lot. Yeah. Thank you. That's very, very supportive. I feel, um, feel like we do support you. All right. Yeah. No, no. What have anyway. I got? I've gotten, oh, you pronounced this word wrong. Oh, that yeah. piece of information's wrong. Oh, yeah. oh, how come you do it that way? Oh, we mm -hmm. don't like your glockenspiel. Uh, this is, I'm so excited to feel this love yeah. and support. Um, where does it come from, by the way? Where does it? Uh, it comes straight out of our mailbag. Sweet love edition. <laughs> Tony Anita Hull, what is taking so long? Let's get some of this. <laughs> I, I'm Honestly, ready. I feel like you're resting on your laurels oh from your crafting gosh. seminar. Uh, yeah. You know what? Ever since she got her own crafting corner, she just, <laughs> you know, she's not really a team player That's anymore. It. I know. Yeah, you know what? I intercepted an email during the break, Paula, and she's already plotting to have Tony's craft corner take over the whole show. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I I just saw a new logo that said Tony's Craft Corner, and then in parentheses with Paula Poundstone. <laughs> oh my God, she doesn't have remarkably soft tri-poly blend T-shirts with her self-portrait on the left breast and an origami uh, instruction on the back, does she? She in fact does, Paula. I, oh, I would no. watch your back. See, this is why I really need this <laughs> mailbag. I want a spinoff podcast. That would be yeah, fine. We, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's probably emailing Starburns behind our back every day. Just they're holding me back. They're holding me back. They're Tony, step your crafty self up to the microphone and uh, tell us tell us what our listeners have to say. Okay, so our first one is from Jennifer Livesay. Life can be such a challenge these days that any chance to laugh is a precious thing. Your podcast is one of my favorite parts of the week. I adore your cold open. Yay! You give me good laughs and the strength to keep going, and I just want to let you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Paula, are you okay? <laughs> I have just needed this so much. Thank you, Jennifer. Um, and I think Bonnie needed that for the cold open thing because Bonnie's been, Bonnie's been suffering, uh, you know, what Major League pitchers call the yips with the cold open lately where she just hasn't felt really secure in them. And, I, and she's been branching out and trying other things like not doing it. So I think that might help a lot. Right, Bonnie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie. One time and a you're Adam. ever succinct and it's for that when I'm tossing you a fastball. Adam, how many, how many years did you spend teaching improv to Bonnie? Because boy, yeah. she really <laughs> stepped right up yeah. to the plate on that. Whoo. Ooh, yeah, she, that was she, a, she got the yes. Next, yeah, next year a, we're going to start with the and part. Paul. Yeah, that was quite a that was, that was a sally of a response. Yeah, I am perplexed. <laughs> All right, so uh, thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. Tony, 
Are we ever going to hear from Kay Miranda Gilbert again? We've given Jennifer the strength to go on. Don't you understand what this means? Well, Adam, guess what? Kay has written Tony, in. Tony, it's not just Adam. It's me too. And Paula. Paula you know what? Thank God for Jennifer because now that Tony has Craft Corner, she doesn't even acknowledge me anymore. Tony, where did you get this next email from? The mailbag. Sweet love edition. Okay, Kay Miranda Gilbert has written us. I just want you to see me. I'm here, Tony. I'm here. I just feel. I don't feel seen. I haven't felt seen for a really long time. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. I do see you. see you, Paula. I see you. Yeah. Um, Tony, so- you do crafts. You're a reader. You don't have to take that. Paula, can you get us some donuts, please? Uh, hold on. I'll get the donuts. I take a sweet and low in my coffee. Hi, Jennifer. It's me, Paula. They're making me get donuts. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't want to get donuts anymore. <laughs> Jennifer, what's your address? I'm coming to live with you. No one appreciates me. Jennifer didn't even call you out by name. (laughs) Fuck you, Tony. Fuck you. She meant me. She meant me. And it was right in the... All right. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. ahead. Okay, so Kay Miranda Gilbert wrote, I'm all team Bonnie this week. Peter Fuck you, Tony. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just reading the mailbag. Honest to God, can I not just have a Jennifer Livesey moment without everything going back to about Bonnie again? Bonnie, Bonnie, Bonnie. (laughs) Sweet love edition. Go on. Read from K. Miranda Gilbert's The Book of Gilbert. I'm all team Bonnie this week. Peter Yeah, read that again, why don't you? I'm all team Bonnie this week. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! I wait. I, I didn't. I didn't hear the beginning. Can you start again. I'm all team Bonnie this week, Tony. Yeah. I, as you can see, I have a gaping wound here. Do you have any salt you'd like to rub in it? All right, go go ahead. Just go ahead. I'm all team Bonnie this week. <laughs> Peter Falk was very sexy. She's right that TV and movie stars tend to have larger heads than average. I remember learning that years ago, but I don't remember the source. Oh, the source was Bonnie Kay. You know it. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's uh, bullshit. I don't think that's true at all. Okay, wait. I have something to say. Oh, now you do. (laughs) No, okay. So, uh... Why are you saving for the next cold open? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the uh, production executive at Starburns is named Lisa Rudin, and she was listening to the show, and she called me, and she said, "I have to be honest. I think people on television have big heads too." <laughs> Bonnie, you know how I love to disagree with you, but I agreed with you at the time, and I still do. I think I think actors tend to have big heads. Well, Lisa and Adam both worked on Bill Maher. Uh, does he have a big head? I don't recall that he does, actually. It's not gigantic. It's not like a balloon head. I wouldn't see him in a no. Macy's parade or anything. But I think he's got a, a relatively big head. 
Yeah. Johnny Carson had a big head, right, He Paul? didn't. No. Yes, he did. He had that little tiny body and a bigger head. No, he did well, not have a bigger head than his body. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Dave Letterman has a big head. No, he doesn't. What are we doing? <laughs> okay. Kay Miranda Gilbert. You can't even measure paper with a ruler. Did you measure Dave Letterman's head with your fingers? <laughs> hey, Jay Leno has a big head. All right, Jay Leno has a big head, yes, but okay. he's not the only person in television and movies. Oh, you know who has a big head? It's um, Big Head Watson from the Big Head Watson Show. <laughs> and weirdly, Polly Pinhead from the Polly Pinhead Show had a gigantic head, too. They just had to use special effects to shrink it down. They used a lot of the props from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. In fact, when that show went off the air, Bonnie Burns purchased all of that show's coffee mugs. Yeah, and then she gave them away in some sort of bizarre Bonnie Burns sweepstakes on Nobody Listens to Paul Poundstone. <laughs> it's the shit I wish I hadn't bought, Bonnie Burns sweepstakes. <laughs> very oh yeah, we have a lot of that. Yeah, it's a very important feature on the on, on the show. Um, all right, Tony, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Laura Valinsky wrote, love all of the cold opens. And I really enjoyed the podcast where we got to hear what goes into the commercials. I thought they were trolling us at first, but then I got into it. Oh, this is awkward. <laughs> what? Because of just some kind of production chain error, like two months ago, there was a snippet left in the show that was just, Paula, you and me and the gang bullshitting between taping commercials. A shocking number of our listeners not only were into it, but like half of them were convinced it was a mistake. And a lot of them, like, I guess Laura believes that we were doing it on purpose. Isn't that the one where um, Bonnie was talking about the mattress and she said yeah. she liked to fuck her brains out on it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, in the Helix commercial, I was fooling around with you guys. I said I got the firm mattress, and it was great for sex. You could hear me yelling all the way down the block. That got in there. It's so uncomfortable. Yeah. Is it still there? Oh, no. They took all that out. But a bunch of our listeners heard it, and now it's a lost treasure of the show. It's in the Helix Hall of Fame. If, if uh... <laughs> But I, I just love that we made a mistake, and you guys found it really entertaining. That's wonderful. Yeah, that makes me... Almost as happy as Jennifer Livesape, who we've given the strength to keep going. <laughs> and, and it's worked like a power circle, Jennifer, because you've given me the strength to keep going. Uh, even though, you know, a lot of people are talking about the cold opens. And I just want to point out that I'm not usually on the cold opens. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm really glad that you like them, but I, I just... But Paula, to be fair, yes, people love the cold opens, and we're getting a lot of mail about that. Yeah, the COs, yeah. they also really love Tony's Crafting Corner. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And there's been a bunch of emails about the theme songs. I don't usually do the theme songs, Adam. No, that's usually Bonnie. Bonnie's thing, usually. Okay, so... There's a lot of positivity and love here, is my point. One of the things that's missing from a lot of these emails that we've gotten, and I don't, I'm not criticizing, I really appreciate the emails, but one of the things that's missing from the emails saying what you like is any mention of me at all. I'm, I'm sure there'll be one in the next one. Tony, why don't you read the next one? Paula, I think you're just being paranoid. Tony, yeah, read the next I one. I think you are being paranoid. I'm sure that's the case. I just could use, you know, the love and 
little, little pep up. The positive mailbag. Oh, <laughs> sweet love edition. That sounded kind of sad. What did? Oh, you Glock and Spiel. Oh, poor Paula. It was a sad Glock. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tony, what's next? Let's pick. Let's pick up Paula. Okay. So David Weintraub wrote a poem for us. So here we go. Oh. Some oh, people gain good. wisdom from looking at the stars. Others get it from the guys tending bars. Some people gain knowledge researching books, and some just give Wikipedia a quick look. Some go about casting dried bones, but nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. <laughs> well, you mentioned me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, David. Thank you Thank very you, David. much. We, we do appreciate you writing a poem. It, it, it is the fact that you took the time makes our mailbag. Sweet love edition. That much more. Fuck. I just assumed you did it. <laughs> Tony, let's keep rolling. Yeah, go ahead, Tony. Go ahead. Okay. So, <laughs> hold on, Tony. I'll play a little introduction for you here okay. on the clock. I'm excited. Go ahead, Tony. Go ahead. Ooh, that's lovely. The next one's from Rachel Smith Cobbley. It might have been unintentional, but I chuckled when Adam said his other podcast. Dad Bandland is in part about pop music. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that that was that was an unintentional pun, but uh, you're right; it hadn't even occurred to me. Dad band pop music. Thank you very much, and and, and Rachel. Let me just say, I hope you're listening to it because things have been great lately on that show too. <laughs> um, Rachel, I just want to point out that I've had some Sallies on this show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, clever lines. Rachel wasn't really talking about that, Paula. I mean, I, you you unquestionably have had great moments um, on the show. And, and a lot of our listeners constantly pointed out. Um, in fact, uh, uh, Tony, read the next one. This is from Sarah Freeman. Bonnie is Florence Foster Jenkins reincarnated. I want to hear her sing the Queen of the Night aria. Wow, Bonnie, your singing skill. I might brush try and learn that. And then I can come on and do it on the show. Sarah, <laughs> your email might have gotten cut off. <laughs> no, that's the whole email. Look, she signs off saying, love you, Sarah. <laughs> that's that's it. weird. <laughs> but, Paula, you have to agree, that's a really nice compliment for Bonnie. No, it's, a, it's a great compliment for Bonnie. Um, <laughs> Florence Foster Jenkins. Bonnie, yeah. Sarah would like to hear her sing the Queen of the Night aria. And I'm oh, I think we all would. Maybe we could schedule it for next week, like right after Tony's Crafting Corner. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, after Tony's Crafting Corner, usually comes a vocabulary word, but that's fine. Right, but wait, but two, songs, yeah, two songs in the first act is a lot, don't you think, Paula? Yeah, so we may as well just have Bonnie do the Queen of the Night aria. <laughs> I'm re I'm really enjoying this section. It's all about the love. It's mailbag. Sweet love edition. All right, Tony, what's right. next? Yeah, go um, ahead, Tony. We, go ahead. We have one final one. Oh boy! From Alan Bowston in from Northampton, <laughs> Massachusetts. I'm amazed at how quick thinking Adam and Paula are with the instantaneous great jokes without missing a beat. 
It must have been all those years of improv training. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, Alan. I've taken improv training from Adam since, I don't know, Adam, how many years have we known? It's 20, 30. We've known each for like 20, 30 years or something. 30, yeah. And then, but there was the, uh, yeah, but I took improv training from you before I knew you as well. So that was another. Right. It's probably been 40, <laughs> 40 years or so. I remember. Yeah, you, you, were in, you were in lots of my like really early improv groups that I directed. I think you were in Mission Improvable, weren't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was. And I was an elm tree. Do you remember that when I was an elm tree one time? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, really, really fucking funny elm tree. I was an elm tree for a long time. I remember you and the rest of the class went inside and said, just keep doing that elm tree, Paula. And you committed to that. And as I always said in class, what's improv about? Committing. Commitment. Yeah. Yeah. Commitment. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I still have some holes in my face from where birds pecked me. I was a really believable elm tree. Oh, uh, one of the best ongoing improv performances I've ever seen. Well, I want to thank uh, Alan for this because me and Adam are, are really uh, quick thinking. I just, I have one little criticism, Alan. I Okay. Uh, you may have met Paula and Adam. <laughs> oh, did he say Adam and Paula? Well, I th it's, you know what? He was probably kidding. He was probably kidding. Well, well no, no, no. If he said that, I want to know about it. T Tony, could you read it again? Um, I am amazed how quick thinking Adam and Paula are with the instantaneous great jokes about missing a beat. Son of a bitch. Yeah, we could. We can clean that up. We can. <laughs> yeah, that's very nice of you, Alan. Thank that, that is, yeah, you know what? Thank All these emails much. are nice. And yeah. because we had such a long show tonight, we cut a bunch of them short. And I want to point out something that's very funny is that a lot of the emails that were so loving that we were going to be reading this week were about how much people want the show to be even longer. When they hear us talking about the show being too long, there were, there were at least three or four emails saying, no, please. Please make that show longer. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think it's wonderful. There was that one guy who talked about the sentencing guidelines. That didn't sound like a positive. <laughs> no, that was less, <laughs> less magical, I think, uh, than that. Um, and with that, we've come to the end of Mailbag. <laughs> Sweet love edition. Oh, right. my gosh. Thank you so much, Nobodies. Those are really wonderful uh, emails and letters or whatever you call them. It was restorative. Now, Paula. I'm restored. What, are you kidding me? Whew. Yeah, you look it. I, I feel like I've just been born. Yeah, no, um, it sometimes feels really good to cry yourself out. Paula, what's going on in the Poundstone product empire this week? Well, Adam, as you know, as CEO of Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, I recently made the decision to invest in a publicist. I went with Cynthia Cryer Public Relations, and she is so knowledgeable with ideas about how to promote a business, and not all of them are all that costly. They're just little things you have to remember to do. Like when you're in a parking lot, how many filthy, dirty cars do you walk by? Well, that's a place for your business to get visibility. So I've been writing Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, in the dirt in every car I walk by. I've also done it on some house windows, uh, but sometimes people have looked up and seen me and I've really had to run. Uh, Cynthia is worth every penny I pay her. She says the rush is coming. 
So I want to tell listeners to beat the rush by ordering their remarkably soft tri-poly blend t-shirts with my self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back, available in standard and baseball styles at the shop at paulapoundstone.com. Planting season is just around the corner. Worm castings or worm poop is what every plant dreams of. A mixture of about 20% worm castings to about 80% soil will have your plants talking to you. For $4 per pound plus shipping, I'll send you worm poop from the funniest farm in the world or... For $30 plus shipping, you can order the How the Heck Does She Do It package. I'll send you a pound of worm poop, plus I'll make you a personalized video where I show you a part of my worm farming process and I introduce you to the worm that I name after you. Email me at paula at paulapoundstone.com and we'll nail down the details. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Sorry, Heidi. You know what else? I'll be in Portland, Oregon at Revolution Hall this Saturday, April 23rd, Denver, Colorado at the Paramount on Friday, April 29th, and La Jolla, California at the Garfield Theater on Saturday, May 21st. For tickets, go to paulapoundstone.com and click tour. So go to the shop at paulapoundstone.com, go to the tour page at paulapoundstone.com, and email me for worm castings at paula at paulapoundstone.com. Look for further details on a dirty car near you. Sorry, Heidi. (laughs) And if this show has not been enough for you and you end the show thinking, wow, I wish I could hear a little more of at least one of those people, why not tune in to Dad Bandland, our sister podcast, the show that Bonnie Byrne calls that fucking thing again? I don't make a penny on that. <laughs> That's Dad Bandland, an exploration of music from the point of view of a neighborhood cover band. And now we're done. Remember to follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get yours. It's free. If there's a subject or topic you want to know more about, tell us. We're at nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com or find us on facebook or all the socials that's our show nobody listens to paula poundstone is hosted by paula poundstone and yours truly adam dad band land felber <laughs> special thanks to our guest peter irons Woo! Yay! Yay! and to our house band tim crump Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, Tony Anita Hull, and Julie Berkobian. Yay! Yay. Starburns production by Land Romo, Poundstone Industries production by Vic Lowry, transcription services for the show provided by TranscribeMe, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Boy, Adam, a lot of the listeners really want the show to be longer. That's great, huh? Yeah, it's a good sign if they want you to give them more stuff. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we could do like at the end, you know, like we could do like a dance number uh, towards the end. Um, yeah, I think I think maybe we could have like Tony's talk back. Tony talking about how uh, the crafting corner went, and maybe we could have like, uh, you know, the Bonnie Burns featurette about how the singing went. I think those are the kind of things our listeners are looking for. Yeah, or we could interview listeners about where exactly they lost track of the crane origami. <laughs> <laughs> 
for me, it was after the first set of little feet. I just, after the first set of little feet, you know, I'm looking at what Tony had in her hand, and I'm looking what I had, and um, her feet were different than mine. And Don't look at the screen, Paula, because... Well, it's an audio medium. Because Bertram, you know, is here. Oh, boy. Adam's done a complete crane. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, what? Adam. Isn't yeah. that a yeah. price tag on the bottom? It's a price no, tag on the no, bottom. No, 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 no. You know what? I thought that was weird because when you no. started, your paper was a different color. So at what point did you just put it down and pick up a fully constructed folded crane? I colored in that crane in midway through because no. I was bored waiting for you and Bonnie to catch up. No. Fuck. <laughs> Cheats at origami. That is a low... I- do not. I'll bet you cheat at solitaire, for God's sakes. There is no cheating here. I swear by the Burger King logo on this crane's wing that I did not cheat. I'll bet you gave yourself an A in your improv class. <laughs> okay, I did. A podcast network. Hey, everybody. As longtime listeners know, when Helix Mattresses first started sponsoring our show, Bonnie Burns somehow got the drop on me and made off with the first mattress. But in the intervening years, I have gotten myself a Helix mattress. I've had it for almost a year now, and it has improved my sleep. It has improved my life. I could not be happier. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, which I have, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, which is a mattress designed just for big and tall sleepers, and they even have mattresses made just for kids. Now, if you're like me and you were a little nervous about trying it online, or like Paula, who was screaming in fear of buying a mattress online, don't be. The Helix Sleep Quiz takes into account your individual sleep preference to match you and your partner with the perfect mattress. I took the quiz and I ended up with the great mattress for a side sleeper, the Helix Midnight Lux. Take my word for it, everybody. The Helix Midnight Lux. Oh, don't want to take Adam's word for it. I don't blame you. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and... Two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula and use the code helixpartner20. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Paula. Paula, I invited you over, but you fell asleep. Helixsleep.com slash Paula. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. 